Do you want to know that most people, when they see a problem, an issue, most people will just go, eh, and it will never get solved, and nothing will happen with it, and they'll just simply be upset with this thing and not really address that thing. And here's the freaking thing that's, like, bizarre that I don't get, is that if they saw somebody actually trying to tackle that problem and get through that problem, they're probably gonna crap on them and say, well, why are you doing that? Like, I don't know what this world is, you know, like, or what people are sort of thinking about is they know that there's a systematic problem sometimes, right, whatever that thing is, right, they know that there's a problem that exists, and then when you go to try to solve that thing, to tackle that thing, then, you know, they're the same people that just go, meh, or, you know, why are you doing that? Um, you know, it's really bizarre to me. I don't understand. I think it, it comes down to, actually, deep-rooted insecurities that people have, right? That they are thinking that um, it's not possible, or, you know, change is not possible, or they secretly actually like what's going on, and um, then they're sort of accepting of, of some of the problems that, are, that exist. So, um, you know, I actually, I want to talk about that, right? So if you don't know me, I'm Professor Dave Masak. I'm Associate Professor of Innovation Strategy and Entrepreneurship. And I created this whole reciprocity project to give back as much as I possibly can. There's so many people that help me out that I want to pay the favor for to help you out. It's, you know, doing this whole reciprocity project, I've come to the conclusion, um, you know, what, what I'm doing is trying to, there's, there's some real deep-rooted problems that exist um, where people feel, you know, A, they don't have the technical resources to do, you know, research and stuff like that. That's how this thing started. Um, so that's what the reciprocity.com is. It's a sort of sharing economy platform um, for, for writing and editing. I, I thought it wasn't, like, I thought I wasn't good enough. Um, but then, you know, I had to start tackling the deeper problem, which is that there is, um, you know, all this self-doubt and all these um, issues that we deal with. And some, you know, I'm going to be honest, there's systematic problems with ac academia and research and, um, you know, within science that are very deep-rooted and, and hard to change. And, you know, as soon as you start speaking up against it, um, you know, in private, almost everybody that I ever talked to um, in science and research talks about this stuff in private. Um, but when you go and speak about it pro publicly and you start tackling this as like, this is the issue, my gosh, you're like this pariah as soon as you do it, right? Like nobody ever wants to... Um, you know, address the issues, but then you get in, in, in absolutely, this is, this is like so true, um, in, in so many ways, like in private, everybody knows that these are issues, right? From, um, very senior folks to very junior folks that, that the things I talk about sort of, um, issues that we deal with, they're very real and in, in some 
institutions are trying to tackle these things and change these things. And um, they're deeply well studied um, within science and sort of, you know, A, um, you know, inequalities that exist, um, you know, systematic inequalities that sort of persist, um, you know, things like this deep rooted um, insecurities like jerk culture that happens in academia, uh, you know, all these kind of things, everybody knows about them. They're like deeply rooted. Um, and, and it's, it's bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre that, um, in private, everybody is like, oh yeah, that's a real problem. But then when you speak out about it, you either get a, the response of, um, meh, right? Like whatever, why are you doing that thing? Or the other thing is, is you get the, um, well, you, you get the, like, almost, almost like an angered response of, well, it was hard for me, so it should be hard for everybody else. Right? Like, what kind of bananas situation is that? Like, that is, that is totally, um, you know, there's in, in feminist studies, uh, there's this thing called the gas, the glass ceiling, and um, it's it sort of reflects on that there's there's if you look at higher, so if you look at across the board in most industries, um, particularly in the United States, where there's there's great power divides between males and females, for example, um, that there is a certain kind of person, um, a very stereotypical kind of person that makes it to the very top. But there's like kind of like a level of what you can actually get to um, as people from different, you know, different backgrounds that will never ever get to those things because that there is this glass ceiling that exists. If you just look at simple demographics. I, I dare you to look at that one day. Look at, um, you know, whether it's universities, whether it is Fortune 500 companies, whether it's research institutes, just take a look at, like, just look at pictures, and, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is, like, so true, right? Like, there's definitely glass ceilings that exist, and it's not, I mean, here's the thing, right? Um, so, there's an interesting phenomenon that happens, the people that sort of break through that ga glass ceiling, um, they often are very, they can be very harsh, um, and say, well, it was tough for me, so it should be tough for everybody else. Um, and, and what that ends up doing is sort of perpetuate some of these things uh, routinely instead of addressing them. But what I'm getting at is, you know, why not just have these conversations, these open conversations, and start questioning and thinking about that? Um, and I'm not saying, like, you know, let's rally the troops and all that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying let's have open conversations. And when we come to, to make a strategic choice, whatever strategic choice you have to make in your life, um, you know, when we do make these choices once in a while and where, you know, you choose one thing or the other, you have to sort of question and think about, okay, um, you know, why did this one thing get to where it was, right? Like, why is one better than the other? 
and um, and if you gave the one that was you know quote unquote inferior, if you gave them resources, would they end up in the same result? And you know a lot of times it actually is right. Like if they had people had the same resources and all that kind of stuff, they they do. Um, although you know right away people sort of get into measurement issues and all that kind of stuff, which is really silly. Um, because it's, I mean, it is hard to measure these things, right? Like, to, to compare, um, you know, for example, to compare males males and females. Really hard to do, right? Because we're fundamentally one, two different sexes, right? And there are things that, that are different. Um, and, and, you know, accounting for them statistically and all that kind of stuff is really hard to do. Um, and, and so, yeah, to, to one side, that sort of measurement issue that we have, um, there is truth to that. It's, you know, we, we can't know these things. But then you have to sort of question if that's true. Um, you know, if all of that is true, is it just that um, we only favor one specific sort of group or, you know... Um, what a typical look or something like that. And, and it really comes down to that, right? Like, um, what kind of world that you want to live, live in, right? Like science is never going to be able to capture that. That is a question that you have to have a moral philosophy of what that looks, looks like and what you want to do. And what is the sort of greater opportunities that, that are there is, and it's a real strategic decision. It's a real moral decision that you have to do. Um, because, you know, you know, given two candidates, for example, and one of them is um, superior compared to the other one. Um, if you select the inferior one for the temporary, for the time being, you're probably going to be at an inferior performance um, disadvantage, right? And you have to sort of question, is that what we want to do? And it's a real hard question, and you have to sort of justify many different ways to so many people. And in a ra- very rational culture, like university systems or academic systems, education systems, very, very rational that everything has to be justified, everything has to be spelled out. That's a hard, hard, hard choice. Um, and it's, it's not a clear choice um, for most people. And you have to figure out what is the moral argument um, you know, what about justice and, you know, um, you know, strategic decisions and sort of convincing people in a different way because you are choosing often an inferior quote-unquote candidate. Um, and so you have to really think about that, right? Like, what does the world you want, what does that look like? What does your, so if you're in a company, for example, your organization, what, what does your organization what do you want it to look like in 10 years? Um, you know, because you need to put that foot down. You need to make that sort of moral decision. So, you know, I just want to say, if you're given the opportunity to make a change, 99% of the people are never going to do it. They, they, they're never going to act for all sorts of different reasons. But if you're given that, and if, if I can sort of persuade you to make that change, I think that's actually really good. And I think it's going to be very helpful if you can actually make that change. Um, 
that you are going towards something that you think is a more just world. So, with that, um, give me some comments in the pod. It, It does help. Take care and have a wonderful day.